This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouths of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer. I am Eric Quintana. He is Sam Franco. Peace and Schwinn gracing us with his presence. Gentlemen, the sun is shining. It's a glorious day outside. The soccer gods are not looking too fondly upon Atlanta United. Certainly not at the moment. Uh, you know, Atlanta United having their struggles. And uh, as, as you mentioned, the weather, I mean, yeah, these past few days here in Atlanta have been beautiful. Uh, you know, Sunday, me and the missus went out on the belt line and uh, walked up and down. And yeah, it's a perfect time to get out and do something in Atlanta right now. And honestly, it would be a perfect time for Atlanta United to start winning games. A happier topic, in need, though, is the weather, is the weather for sure. <laughs> and Casey, yeah, it's been gorgeous on? weather. I've gone to see my son play. And honestly, the finishing in that under seven game was better than Atlanta United recently. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't want to start off too negative because I think we actually played well. But we will talk about the finishing. Uh, in yeah, Atlanta United definitely needs some finishers. And uh, Tony Franco for Rovers FC is doing pretty good right now. Maybe they uh, they need to give him a call. I just All want right, to give my right. little brother a uh, shout out. <laughs> that is pretty cool. He's a semi-pro, which is yeah, starting you know, a semi-pro career. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, he's got a game over at Silverback Park tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday. So I'm going to go check that out. And, uh, you know, continue to support to the little brother. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, so looking back at this. 2-1 loss for Lady United against Inter Miami. Um, and I want to put it a bit in perspective before we really like dive deep and and really what I feel like is gonna be end up just crapping on Atlanta United for the most well, I mean, not a full-fledged no, 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 but, no, no, no. but the context kind of helps you deal with the um the the how tough the loss felt, I guess. Inter yeah. Miami before this win uh had seven points. And they were one of the worst teams in the league. Um, if not the worst team, I actually forget where they fall in that ranking because now all the, the New England and Cincinnati both had seven points. I don't think either of them won. So it doesn't matter. And Lenny United still in fourth in the East. Even with the struggles that this season has been uh, for Atlanta United, the, the, the lack of finishing, the injuries, um, everything that's kind of encompassed this United season so far, they're still in fourth place right now. And for, for that kind of a start for, for, for all the stuff that we've been through to still be in fourth place right now and still be, and I mean, even if they're not in fourth place, it's still super early in the season. Uh, but to be in fourth place, not bad. Now I think I says more about the East than anything else. Yeah. The Eastern conference, <laughs> but whatever you got, you're playing in the pool that you're, you're put in. So it doesn't really matter what, what, you know, how bad it is. You know, the fact that they're in fourth place right now is fine considering the amount of turmoil that essentially has the quiet turmoil that, that has gone on uh, mostly in the injury department for for Atlanta United. Um, yeah, and I mean, look, I, I don't think we want to be negative or anything like or overly negative. Like, obviously, we've talked about how before how, you know, real being realistic and being negative can kind of coincide with each other from time to time. But, you know, uh, the way that this team is playing right now is just, you know, not, you know, not going to get you wins, not going to get you where you want to be at the end of the season. Yeah, right now you can say you're in fourth place and that's fine. It is early and Atlanta United can make adjustments and all that stuff. But just from what we've seen so far, the sample size we've been given, you know, this isn't a team that's going to win any trophies. This isn't a team that's going to, you know, do anything, you know, meaningful going forward. I think it's obviously about development under Gonzalo Pineda, but yeah, I mean, this game was a little bit better, I think, overall in terms of, like, the way Gonzalo Pineda wants to play tactically. Like, they they did that a little better. But what did it end up getting you? A loss. Yeah, and uh, to give the yin and yang of uh, that, that match, I did think most of the match, it was one of the first times I thought, wow, this team is really kind of maybe showcasing what Pineda wants uh, in mm -hmm. terms of opening up. Yeah, uh, going through the midfield properly, playing uh, balls through the back line, 
Um, but yeah, just like it's the same old story with the finishing. Uh, we have some opportunities, maybe not as good as, as some previous matches. You know, we didn't have a Gutmann in within the six yard box mix or miss or anything, but these small misses add up. And when you don't finish your chances, um, you know, you risk not taking any points away. And that's what happened in Miami. But overall, I came away. I know I shouldn't, but I came away slightly more optimistic um, in some ways because I thought the we the flow was there and there were a lot of positives to take away. But my the one negative I have is without Joseph uh, and maybe not Joseph in the in the near uh, future coming back in a few weeks and even then who knows how are we going to get those those goals? Because right now I'm not sure who's there with the finishing ability we need right now. Well, let me, let me put it, let me frame it this way. Now, again, near Miami, one of the worst teams in the Eastern conference. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. But if we had seen, if this had been the first game of the season, now this is a big if, but if this had been the first game of the season and we watch it, you United play that way, the way that we saw them play where they were excellent in the buildup. If they, if they finished that game's over by halftime. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't. And that's obviously a massive part of the game. Uh, but if that had been the first game of the season, we would have been looking at this team going, oh my gosh, it's one missing piece away from being an, an, an amazing team. Um, and I think that's sort of how, I, I, I want to say that's how you should look at how Atlanta United played in this match. Can they do that, what they did against Inter Miami consistently, having done it once? Can they do it again next week or against Montreal? Can they do it again uh, the week after that? Can they do it again on a consistent basis to the point where, okay, now we have a, a kind of a foundation as to how they can play. We've seen the visual evidence of how they can play this uh, this um, kind of breakdown style of soccer as opposed to what I think most of us at this point, were, at least before this match, we're kind of like, let's just get back to like 2017, 2018. Um, I think that if this had been the first match of the season, we'd been even more optimistic. I'm actually optimistic because I'm like, if, if all that's left is finishing, any any one game can just have a, a a spout of bad finishes. Any one game can 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 look that bad. You know, the best teams have games where they just can't finish. You look at Man City yesterday. Especially in MLS, yeah. you look at Man City <laughs> yesterday. How many goals should they have had? Yeah, they should have won like eight to three, right? Instead of four. So I mean, miss, misses <laughs> yeah. misses happen. Now I'm in no way comparing Atlanta United to 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 Man City, but the point is that well, you saying we don't have a Gabriel Jesus <laughs> that and, teams and, uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, teams have those moments, and maybe there's there's a chance that maybe Atlanta United had a very good game in the buildup and had one of those games where they just weren't going to finish. And the fact that they coincided on the same day is just a coincidence or just happenstance or or just happened to work out that way. And maybe next week against Montreal, we see similar buildup. We see similar um, kind of dominance in, in their passing and in, in the final third. Um, and then we get the final product that we were looking for against Inter Miami. I would be excited to see that. I My hope is that I'm not going to judge. Uh, uh, you know, it's still very early in the season. I'm not going to judge, you know, uh, the game, the match against Inter Miami by itself. Um, my hope is that that is a sampling of what we can look forward to moving forward. Now, if against Montreal, they look nothing like they did against Inter Miami, then we know it was a product of just them playing Inter Miami. That's what I was about to ask. Like, that's, what, that's how it. much of yeah. Atlanta United's good play was playing Miami? Right versus you know playing and getting better within the system that gonzalo pineda wants to run because you mentioned this earlier you know getting back to 2017 2018 up until this game like when like going into the game my whole thought process was next time we record this podcast if they continue to play the same way my approach is going to be sorry pineda but you need to abandon this and go back to transition because before this game and again, this was a loss. We're not talking about a win here. Before this game, what was the best Atlanta United has looked all season? Game one against Sporting Kansas City. And they every single goal they scored was on the counter in transition. And sometimes, you know, you have to, as the coach, just realize that what you want to do isn't what's best for the team, and you have to adapt. And maybe Atlanta United kind of, not worrying so much about empty possession, not worrying so much about 
you know, all of the analytics like XG and all that stuff. It's like, okay, that stuff obviously is, is, you know, very beneficial to have when you're playing well and, and setting up all that stuff. And, and when, as a coach, you know, your team can execute the way you want them to, but <laughs> this team seems way more able at times to just do what we've seen them do in the past, in the, the glory years, so to speak, absorb and then strike when the opportunities present themselves, give yourself more mismatches against the defense, you know, give yourself those opportunities where you're going to have, you know, easier, I guess, opportunities at goal. So it's, it's, it's tough because again, you're right. They looked much, much better in this game in terms of possession, in terms of, you know, kind of just dominating the play and unfortunately, they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. That's one of those where it's 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 funny, too, because I think I keep thinking, you know, we have to have Joseph back. We have to have Joseph back. But then we've also talked about at length, Joseph Martinez can't be the one and only guy on this team that can score goals. So not having him is a Even little a hell, bit yeah. of a bonus. It's because you want to you, – you have to learn. You have to learn how to score goals without Joseph Martinez and the team. And they couldn't do that against Miami. It was it was just a, a bad run all the way in terms of just not putting the ball in the back of the net. So it, it, it's such a double-edged sword because it's like, okay, we have to have Joseph back because he's, he would have put some of those chances away probably. But then at the same time, you're like, okay, but they still have to learn to score without him. Yeah, I mean, this would have been the perfect opportunity for uh, for Ronaldo to, to put a couple in the back of the net. Lennon had a, an opportunity. I think Moreno had a couple. Did you say Ronaldo? <laughs> Cisnero. Yeah, where oh, is Ronaldo? That's right. Ronaldo Cisnero. My bad. My bad. I, to- the I totally had a mind fart there. That's my bad. <laughs> as soon as I hear that name, I only default to like one person. So like, I was, just I trying like, to trick. Just trying to trick everyone. I know. Um, trying to kill me, but no, that, that's that's on. Ronaldo did have a nice finish at the beginning, but yeah, he he kind of faded towards the end there. Well, I mean, I, I mean, let's let's be real. It's it was cleanup. That's not really a nice finish. That's just being hey. at the right place, the right time. You know, it's not. I'll take I, the cleanup I, these days. I, you know, I'm I'm with you 100. percent But uh, you know, show me. I need more. Yeah, no, <laughs> I need totally. more than just that. I, you know, for the in terms, I need him to know that you that you're able to do more than just that. And I'm I'm I think he is capable. But um, anyways, yeah, and I like his speed, and I like the the way he was pressing, and you know, I think he brought a lot. And we got to remember too, Otto Ujo only played 28 28 minutes, and I think once he's back to a full 90, we'll have that threat you're talking about, Sam, you know, the, the counter threat, mm-hmm. but also the next level, you know, God tier moves that he can pull, you know, and pulling a rabbit out of his hat and scoring when you may, you know, the XG might be, you know, 0.1, but he's, he's pulling it out and scoring a Magnifico goal. Um, so I think moving ahead, hopefully we can see more of him against Mon- Montreal this week. You also yeah, again, wonder no more referring to Ronaldo Cisneros as Ronaldo. As Ronaldo, no, 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 the Ronaldo. Is that not, you can't not do a thing? That we say Joseph. <laughs> we say Joseph. Okay, he earned the one name treatment, Ronaldo Cisneros. Joseph. I can't wait till we sign a guy named Messi and we refer to him. As we Messi. say we say Brad, Brad Guzan. Who else? Who else do we? We say Miles. I can refer to him as Ronaldo. I'm you referring to, to him as Ronaldo. No, you have to earn the one name. Although I have heard people refer to him as Ronald, which is just, I think, wrong. You know, it's just tough on him. <laughs> just, Ronald call, just never call, sound like a, a cool name. I'll, I'll just call him straight up Ron. Ron, Ron. There you go. Um, No, but, uh, you, you know, I, I I was very frustrated. Look, I, I think there's moments in this match where if Joseph is in the game, it, it Joseph had Joseph would have had a healthy Joseph, even a post-surgery healthy Joseph would have, um, and he's proven it, would have taken the opportunity and and I it it feels like those have been those have been shots that Joseph would have scored on. Um the Brooks Lennon one, for example, the, the, there was one where, where uh, Cisnero had one. It was, I think it was just inside the box, but like at the top of the box that he, I don't even know what happened. You had the one that just went wide. You had these moments where I'm like, man, if Joseph was in there and Joseph was healthy, I have a feeling Joseph would have capitalized on the, at least one of these opportunities. I'm not saying he wouldn't have missed, but uh, at least one of these opportunities he would have capitalized on. And it just takes one of those moments to kind of help you build or regain that momentum that you might've lost uh, you know, in the Campana goal, uh, you know, it, it's, it's that dude's pretty nasty. 
too. Yeah, that dude's no joke. I feel like he's he's going to be well remembered in Miami. Uh, but yeah, it just I, I I I'm starting to see a lot of people talk about Pineda out, and I'm just like, in no, what world? No. You can't play. You cannot play <laughs> this. This you can't have this revolving door of 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 managers in no. and out of the club. You you cannot do that. That is how point, you become a failure of a club. That's how you become Frank DeBoer. Frank DeBoer, I get it. <laughs> Frank DeBoer, I get it. Heinze, we understand there were some issues, and there were player revolts with those two. Basically. Yeah, there was like a and, cultural issue with Heinze that you just had to get that out. There, there. Look, you gotta, you gotta, Pineda, you have to stick with for a while. Yeah, for sure. For his, probably, I think, I think probably, he the benefit of that. Probably for as long as Pineda wants. It, it, it's probably going to be. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I, I just in what like you can't just keep revolving. You can't keep. Oh no, I agree. Managers. I totally agree. But you've so got to give at him least, time. That's at least two years. I I agree. You got especially you have to give him this full season, and he's been given a little bit of a you know a, a bad hand with some of the injuries I, and so like that. that's that's my thing it's like you look at you look at i i fully do not agree i, I don't understand where the the, the panetta hate is coming from um because i think if the miami game is any indication he's setting he's setting up his team as best he can considering the injuries he has now i don't know what's going on with these injuries but at some point it's no my longer goodness. coincidence George Campbell has uh, either abductor this, or this, this, this podcast, whatever, you know, unofficially sponsored by knees over toes guy. I just, we just need him to get on this because <laughs> yeah, I, I can't touch my toes. Are you uh, kidding? Like I don't, I'm urging this team to go stretch. Go are we, stretch. I was about to ask, are we stretching? Like, is that part of the, uh, the, the, the pregame rituals at, at, with Atlanta like United? We, Do we give that up? I, because like I hopped into the Wayback machine here. Cause uh, a former uh, member of this podcast, Josh Bagrianski was all about, Crapping on the uh, the training staff. So, and, and well, like, he was. He, if, I think if it keeps he happening, soft tissue injuries. <laughs> yeah, if soft tissue injuries keep happening, like yeah, you've got to start asking those questions. There's no, you know, as a fan with, with Tata, as, you know, I always thought like oh, maybe he's with Tata. I always thought maybe he's just overworking some of these folks because he would ride at, ride certain players a little too hard. Mm-hmm. I thought, but now it's. Every you know, every other week there's a some sort of uh, minor. It's not every other um, week. It's every injury. week. Every yeah, every week. week. And George there's Campbell a, wasn't even. He was playing on the beautiful lush grass of Fort Lauderdale, not uh, the, the the Ben's the new Ben's turf. You know, and I'm hearing all kinds. Everyone's giving a reason for these injuries. You got the new turf. Um, you know, but yeah, I guess you can't. But hold on, you can't. You can't. We're six years into Atlanta United playing. Uh, well, what five years into playing in Mercedes Benz Stadium? Why for people? Well, they played the, a little the bit at the turf, end of the first the stadium. There, yeah. But okay, yeah, yeah, you're. I mean, I'm not blaming it. I'm Look, blaming I, uh, training staff or lack of, uh, you know, dumb. If luck, the old turf, the, if the old turf wasn't a, 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 you know, a big deal, then the new turf is probably not going to be a big deal. I, I, I'm not saying it's just. I'm not saying that anyone is specifically at fault. I'm in all likelihood, it's probably a combination of things. There's a couple of these injuries that I wouldn't really put on the training staff, like Ozzy Alonzo's. I, you know, that's or just, good, or Brad. I mean, he's, he's, I, I, I would, I would put Brad's, I could, a non-contact Achilles tear like that. Maybe, I, I'm yeah. not going <laughs> to, I just have questions is all I'm yeah, saying. I, have I just have questions right. because now goalkeepers, they do do a, they do a lot of, well, I mean, I don't know. Brad Guzan doesn't really necessarily do a lot of standing around. Um, but and I'm not saying stretching or or strengthening to it's necessarily prevents injury because it doesn't, not these type of injuries, but it certainly helps. And to in that along of uh, that plus all the other injuries you've seen, the only one that I would really not question at all or not be like, okay, well, the one you can't really do anything about is seemingly Ozzy Alonzo's. That's just that's just bad luck. Yeah, yeah. The other ones, I just it, I pull, I put it into a pool of what's going on, guys. Like I don't I, know. I, I think I, it's at least, a little hard. I at least, like I, I think those kind of injuries add are the question. I at least Maybe. get the ask the question. Well, let's, let's ask the question, and and I think you, I'm not, to your I'm point, not, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that it it it, it one thousand percent just could be an bad accident, luck. like bad luck, an accident, whatever. But I get to ask the question, considering all these other injuries I've seen. Yeah, that's, that's not fair. that's not unfair. No, you're no, I think it's totally fair. And I think one thing too that you have to worry about is it's it's kind of like we talked about with Joseph. You know, when he first came back, he's always gonna play with hesitancy, 
you know, he's always going to be a little bit, you know, unsure of himself because of the knee and all that stuff. And then that's probably something we're going to have to go through again because he just got the knee scoped. So he's probably going to be a little ginger on it at first when he comes back. Maybe the rest of the team could this sort of, if you see a lot of your teammates going down around you, does that start to creep into your head as a player? You're like, you know, and then you start to play a little, you know, concerned of an injury or something might happen, you know, and, and then, you know, it just kind of snowballs. And so maybe that is something too, that it's like a mentality of the other players are going down around me. Are we not doing something right or something? And it just, it just starts to sow those seeds of doubt, like into your head. And then you start to play a certain way. And we all know that when you play to not get injured, you're probably going to get injured. Like that's just how like it works. So you, you kind of just need to work, not worry about that kind of stuff. So there's all sorts of things that could be in play here. Like they're not training right or the players are starting to worry about, you know, it kind of becoming a problem within the team. That's probably not as much of a thing, but you know, at this point, I think as fans, you just kind of start to bargain with yourself and like talk to yourself into well, what's happening. Why is it, why are these things happening? Well, when I, sometimes I, yeah, you, there's you not to, really an explanation for it, but you get to ask the question. You get to ask the question. You get to be like, Hey, what is going on in training that, that, or what is it? I think more likely it's what's not going on in training. Like, are we, it, it, I'm not going to, it's going to sound so elementary, but like, you know, how is the stretching or how, how is the, the, the training of these, of the, of the, you know, the lower body joints and extremities and stuff like that it sounds so elementary to think that these are professional athletes. They're, 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 they're stretching, but not everybody gets it right. Um, and we're all doctors by the way. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, 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 Nick. Yeah. I, I am not, I'm not uh, saying that it's specifically their fault. All I'm saying is that I get to ask the question as to what, what has been different, if anything has been different and maybe nothing's different and maybe it's all just bad luck. Yeah, uh, I sure hope so. The type, and, and the type think... these type of injuries that keep occurring, like that, I'm not convinced they just happen. I think yeah, that and something think is Ujo, something is either or... something is either changed or or in the in the training or in the in the what I, I don't know in 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 something has changed within the preparation of the team that could be attributed to this, but I don't know for sure. But I get to ask that question. Yeah, and I think uh, with Araujo and Heinemann coming back, I think we'll get to see, you know, how is our kind of rehab uh, procedure working out? And if these if these two can stay healthy the rest of the season, maybe it was just dumb luck um, because we need those two in the, in the starting 11. And having these types of injuries when you're not really in a secondary cup besides maybe open cup, but there, there you're playing a second team, uh, essentially in most positions. Um so, so we'll see, but, you know, having Araujo back is going to make all the difference, but I just hope he doesn't pull anything again, making one of those incredibly good runs. I got I one the thing too that we, hold on. I think one thing too, that we, we start to, you know, forget about here is that, you know, how many teams in MLS from year to year to year are consistently good? Not many. I think Seattle is one of the only examples of a team that you know is constantly going to be there in the end. And whatever they're doing, <laughs> more power to them because they have kept a run of success going here for as long as any MLS team I've ever seen. For the most part, MLS teams have short spells of success. And then because of the roster, because of things you have to do financially to make everything work, you lose some players or whatever, then it falls back. And then you build back up to something. I think Atlanta United's in that build back up to something stage right now, or that's what they want to be. But I think because Atlanta United did have early success and a lot of early success, you look at it now and, you know, as a fan, you start to get impatient and you start to wonder like, you know, what, what could they could do quickly, you know, quickly in the short term to get back. And I think honestly, it's kind of what Eric was talking about earlier and, and, and giving Pineda the time, because if not, you're just going to have that revolving door of managers. So this season is almost with a new manager and then trying to implement almost an entirely new system. It's almost a wash. I mean, whatever Atlanta United does, if they can improve, if they can get better quickly, that's great. But you think getting the system. And again, I think this Miami game was about that because we saw it. We saw they looked much better in possession. They looked much better distributing. They looked much better getting to the goal. And then they just couldn't put it in. So that is improvement. 
how much improvement can be debated because the ultimate goal in sports is to win. It's not to lose. So if you lose a game, how much progress did you really make? But that's when you have to read between the lines and be like, okay, let me look at this in a different lens. And Atlanta United, yeah, they certainly look better. So I think that as fans, we do get impatient. And then you start to, you know, ask a lot of questions. And I think that's obviously why you're seeing some people with the, you know, Pineda out sentiment. And it's just because, you know, people are impatient. But I think right now, the biggest thing is you have to remember there's still some injuries and still guys that need to be brought back in. You know, once Araujo is back, I mean, I, th- I think that obviously helps finishing because he's proven that he can finish better than probably anyone on the roster other than Joseph Martinez. So at that rate, you're just like, okay, once you get him back, maybe you put some more in the back of the net. But ultimately, the experiment of and it's not really an experiment because it was forced on you but playing without joseph yeah i mean so far you have you have failed in the hey we have to learn how to play without joseph because it hasn't been working yeah i think miami would have been the prime opportunity uh for that for for all any player to step up um and show they could do it um i've been getting a lot of well i've got one text from a friend about george campbell and his moment uh, against Inter Miami, and the the text seemed to reflect that that moment was a reflection of his entire time with Man United. To which I responded, "I think you're vastly mistaken." Um, and I think everyone that looks at George Campbell and thinks, uh, you know, miss um, is sorely mistaken. And the players would also disagree with you because they think that he's uh, in a better position than than Miles was this early in his career. I think Pineda after the game was talking about how um, the mistake I'm referring to is the second goal um, Campanada uh, with Duke, was it? Um, for that second goal. It, I, look, it, it's not the greatest of moments for George Campbell, but, you know, he's a young kid and uh, young, you know, very early on in his career and he's going to make mistakes. And, but I, I can't, I also can't, you, don't, you also don't look at a moment like that and think, well, that's what costs us the game because not finishing in the final third is what costs you the game. Everything else, it's not the PK, it's the, the PK shout, it's not the two PK shouts. That didn't, you could have easily not gotten those calls. Well, you did get, you didn't get those calls. You could easily still won those game without those, won that game without those calls um, if you had finished in the final third. And it's not, I, I, I hate even thinking about the, the missed PK call because I do think it was an egregious miss. I don't know how you look at that on VAR and think, yeah, no, no, not a PK. I'm good. The, the referee uh, was so mug about it in his post game because you know. Well, Joe we don't get context. We get we get the soccer. written part of it. Okay, I think. Come on, no, 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 no. You don't comes, need to no, stop. Stop. Just, you don't need context here. It comes, it comes here. back. It just comes back. It, it's just a statement. It's just a written statement. I believe it's not something that he actually says to Joe. Okay. Okay, that's fine. But still, the the comment was he was already leaning forward and stuff. Which when you watch that in real time, you can't tell that. That is absolute crap. You cannot tell if he's leaning forward or looking for the penalty or not. It happens way too fast. I'm not, and I'm that's not, why I say it's a smug comment because he he's defending a stance. He clearly said it wasn't a penalty. So he's defending that and trying to make anybody that would ask him that question look like an idiot for asking him that question. That's clear. You, you don't need context there. That is exactly what that is. It's, I don't, a, it's a I, smug, I'm not going to put referee smug, not, not wanting a, you to question his decision. I'm not going to put a character, the character of smug on a written statement when I don't know the context of how he said it or what he was thinking when Come he said on, it. Man, now, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with this call, but to say it was a smug response, I don't know about that. It is a smug response. It's I will say he was, uh, <clears throat> I thought, incredibly wrong not to overturn it. And I think this is one of those cases where, I don't know in the rule book, does it have, is the player falling in the right way um, as part of the penalty shout? And I think he was looking for a reason not to overturn it. Because uh, that, to me, is clearly a penalty. He made contact with Brooks Lennon's leg in the box. It wasn't a dive. Was he maybe positioned in a way where a contact would make him easily fall down? Sure. Well, even even but contact even, was made, and it should have been a penalty. Even before the actual contact, he's. I mean, well, the contact starts with the shoulder pull that initially, and then eventually leads to the you know the essentially the kick in the leg. So I don't really know. 
Yeah, I, I don't know what I, I don't I don't I don't know what he's what he's watching, but I I I, I can't even I can't even think that that's even in the realm of to me that's clear and obvious. Yeah, clear and, and obvious and that he, he messed up. Online. It shouldn't be a PK. Um, and that's I, I don't know how he doesn't see it the same way. Essentially, everyone else sees it now. My Twitter feed is maybe he did see filled, it the same way, and it's my, covering my, up. My Twitter feed is filled with a bunch of Atlanta United fans, so I I would love to hear you know a Miami perspective. But even a Miami, I, 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 if if I'm if if that happens, if Atlanta is Miami in that situation, I look at that, I'm like, yeah, Atlanta got away with one. Yeah, and I don't, uh, I don't, the, I don't really know how you look at it. Any the reason way. I've seen in Twitter is, yeah, it was a soft penalty. Well, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't notice anywhere in the rule book where there's gradations of penalties, and you know I can. Maybe that's a way to explain. Oh, but we all know. But, I mean, no, but... we all know there's gradations of penalties. It, it's got to be more egregious in the box for it to be called. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. I understood that it's a. Could have been like if it was outside the box, would that have been a, called a foul? Maybe not. I, Maybe it, it absolutely would have been called a foul. But if it's in the box, and he's a, he has a, a chance to create a goal scoring opportunity, it's got to be called. Has to be. I've watched um, that play, but of like course, probably. But you're right. I am biased. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've watched that play probably 10, 15 times already in, in real time. Because once you slow it down, that, you know, bastardizes the process because your eyes don't see it in slow motion. You know, your eyes see it in real time. And there's just no way on God's green earth you can, A, you know, make the, you know, make the statement or make the judgment on that play that he's leaning forward, you know, and I put that in air quotes because again, it's happening too fast for you to make that judgment and B that he's anticipating the contact. It's like the guy chopped at his leg. Like (laughs) what are you talking about? Like it was a very quick, you know, slash of the leg. Like there's, there's no, again, this one just is infuriating because of the way the referee described his decision to not give the penalty. And again, it's because in, in, in my humble opinion, it is because, you know, you have referees and look, every referee in any sport around the world will tell you the biggest thing they hate is video review. You know why? Because it can confirm that they're wrong. Referees are human beings, just like anyone else. Do they want to be wrong? No. Do they want their decisions, uh, you know, overturned or whatever no because they think referees all over the game and not every referee is the same but a lot of them you know whether it's baseball football whatever a lot of them like to make it about themselves and we've seen that time and time again there are referees in mls that like to make it about themselves i'm not saying the specific one does but the evidence is there to where this is just a guy who you know but it's again it's var who's like hey you you might have missed this if you have constantly somebody going back and checking your work over and over again, micromanaging you like that, yeah, it pisses you off. So I think ultimately that it, yes, professionalism should come into play, but they're also human beings. And I think, I think this is one where the guy got it wrong. He didn't want to be told he got it wrong. And then he still was stubborn about it because again, there's no way in real time you can make the judgment that he's leaning. There's no way it's just impossible. And, and his intent is also impossible. The, the only thing that tells you his intent to try to get a penalty there is that it's later on in the game. That's it. I actually don't even see the lean. Like I, I that's what I'm saying. You I don't even see, see the lean he's talking about. No, I, no, it's bullcrap. If, if, if there's an anticipation of the foul, fine, but there's still the foul. Like the foul still occurs, even with the anticipation. The foul he still gets. Yeah, kicked somebody's the leg. about to punch me in his the shoulder, face. I'm not going to flinch. His shoulder, his shoulder is still getting pulled on. Like it's still there. Like that. That's the one thing that got me. I was like, I, even with the lean, the foul still happens. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, and this just goes. I mean, obviously, sometimes uh, I will say European refs maybe. Which, but, sorry, by the way, I did not see a lean. But even if there been a lean, the foul still occurred. I will say with the referees in MLS, um, generally especially with Atlanta United and in the past with Barco have aired on the side of not calling enough. Um, and where, where it was, we might with European refs, maybe they uh, give into the diving, something like that. Brooks Lennon call shows me yet again, they're just, they're scared of making the tough calls. And, you know, I hope moving ahead, we have, uh, we don't have another penalty miss that costs us points, but like Eric said, if we had finished our chances, we wouldn't have been in this position in the first place. We also look at it from a Atlanta United perspective. So we look at it, the stuff that we're getting missed on versus 
the objective overview of misses on both sides, calls on both sides. So how dare you? I'm yes, just bring up. On, a we don't care about guys. calls on this. <laughs> come on, the referees suck. I'm just saying, screwing Atlanta United. There is yeah, a Eric, chance. I'm trying to take his side. There is a chance that the refs are actually doing a good job. We no, just don't I think, like I it. I think they're just doing a poor job for everyone. I no, think how I, much I, money I, is Howard Webb paying you? I I didn't think the first the first PK shot. I didn't think that was a PK. The second one, I was like, that looks like a PK. Even after VAR, that looks even more like a PK. And I I don't yeah. understand how that was missed. I don't and buy. It's a, it's a tough to be, job man. that I could never do. But I, I don't buy the explanation. The explanation seems like just garbage. Um, but yeah, smug. I, again, I'm not going to put smog on it because it's a written statement. It's not. It's not anything that's actually verbalized. I think I'm pretty sure it's a written statement. But um, smug, whatever. <laughs> uh, one thing I will never care about is XG ever again. And oh, I think, come on, I think this match absolutely proved my point that XG tells you nothing about what a team is going to do. Uh, I don't know if that's the purpose. I've never, you know, I've never gotten real into it into XG. I'm not one to like worry about. The, the numbers too much unless it's you know something more i guess elementary or binary in terms of like all right well how many goals until joseph breaks the record or how many goals until lane Knight breaks the single season points whatever i don't know like well, it's also a stat door thing, i i i, I don't care because thing. atlanta united by the numbers should have won this game and they didn't well and it's a very I'm similar watching, shots, hold on, hold on. If I'm shots on game. target but yeah i mean if i'm watching a game okay and like just sitting there in the in the stands, for example, watching a game, I'm watching it back and forth. I'm not watching it like the Zach Galifianakis gif with a bunch of numbers floating around in the sky <laughs> and everything. Okay. I'm watching the game. I want to see, I don't care what type of buildup or whatever is going to lead to my team scoring more goals. I want the ball in the back of the net. I want the possession to look good. I want the passing to look good. So XG isn't ever like in my world of watching soccer it doesn't exist because i don't care i just don't like think ultimately it i just i'm watching yeah i mean i'm watching the it game. there are so many more external factors that can impact the game more so than some you know formula or whatever like numbers have have done a great deal of things in many different sports you know but ultimately a lot of these stats don't matter like it's 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 it, there's so many things that can happen outside of predictability that yeah i'm with you it's just it's just you know it doesn't matter i'm probably on the more towards the other side of the argument in that i think these numbers yeah during the game they don't mean much but maybe afterwards you can kind of look at them and say all right well we only scored one goal but are we creating meaningful chances and xg kind of tells you yes or no on that but where it gets a little weird for me, and, and Pineda does this, and I don't think other many managers do, he'll actually point to the XG as a reason to be optimistic. And I don't necessarily want to hear that from my manager. I may, I know he's getting it from his uh, analytics team, but at the end of a game where you lose 2-1 in, a, in fairly disappointing fashion, and I know he's trying to you know, keep the, the team upbeat and the fans upbeat, but I don't need to hear that our XG was good. I, to some to some degree, I can agree with with Pineda's sentiment that you know he would use that he would use the XG to kind of uh, because it's not wrong to say that the XG in this match uh, helps evaluate the the quality of chances. That is that is true. Uh, but I don't need the XG to know that Brooks Lennon right in front of goal should have made that. I don't need to know that. Uh, you know, Cisnero should have whatever any of those opportunities that that Elena had missed. I don't need XG to tell me that it should have been made, or what the chances of that goal going in every other time was, or whatever it is, whatever it is that it's actually calculated. I don't need that. I I can see it. I with my eyes, I can see on the field and know, or I can see it on the TV or or in person. I can see how likely that goal should have gone in, or that that shot should have turned into a goal. Um. But what I will agree with is that it does help you, um, it does help you see that you're producing. It 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 puts a number on the quality of chances that you're you're that you're creating. But right. it does it, it it puts a number on the chances. It puts a something tangible 
on the chances that you have created, but it tells you nothing about what's going to come or what's going to happen in the future or, or anything like that. It tells you nothing about, it just tells you in that moment, what should have happened, uh, yeah. which great. We all know, we all saw it. It should have happened. I also bet XG would probably say that like Pele took too many bad shots or Maradona took too many bad shots. And it's like, you know what? Who gives a shit? Like, I mean, th- those guys scored hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of goals. Like, you can't tell me that, like, you know, yeah, you might take too many bad chances or whatever. It's like, they'd probably say, you know, Ronaldo takes too many bad shots or whatever. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But he's yeah, also scored I, way I, more I, goals it, than maybe, But maybe, maybe there's something to be said about the career of a player when it comes to XG. But in terms of the game itself, individual matches or over the course of, of you know, a, a series of matches, yeah, I just don't care to know that a goal, sh- that what the likelihood a goal was, the likelihood that a goal was supposed to be made, what that number is. I just don't care. I don't, it yeah, does, it does nothing. I saw the XG for this match and I just kept thinking, I, what does that do? It is nothing. It's the, it's the dumbest, it's the dumbest statistic in, in specifically, it's the dumbest statistics in my, in my opinion, because I just can't, like, I don't understand why. Who cares? I mean, it essentially tells <laughs> who, you how the fact, bad you who cares? or like how after bad fact, you were at finishing. Yeah. And we it, all and saw the misses. We all the saw them. I will yeah. say that uh, soccer has not been taken over by analytics quite yet because, you know, you're not – I don't see players or managers necessarily making on-the-field decisions. Like with the NBA, for instance, I mean, the, the analytics showed you need to take more three-point shots, so that's where the game has gone. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily think that because uh, this shot's low XG, Ronaldo's not going to try to take it. Um, you, know, you know what would be cool is uh, a shot from midfield with all 11 players, uh, you know, in the box that goes in. I would love to see the XG on that. That's outside like Bruce that, Lennon's uh, free outside kick. Of that, outside of that, I don't care. I do not care what the XG is. I don't understand why this. Someone please explain to me. I'm happy to have my mind changed. We should have. Yeah, we should have. I don't understand on the, on the what the point of that in terms of it. In terms of explaining it, in terms of naming it as an in, in a game or after a game for that specific match, I don't understand what the pro- the point is. I mean, it's just the way X, more about trends. The, the X the XG the- of a specific game means absolutely nothing to me because I saw the game. I know it should have gone in. I don't need that number to. I don't need. I don't need that number to know it sh- that Atlanta should have won that game. That they played their asses off. That they. That, that it's the best they've looked in the buildup since forever and they couldn't finish in the final third. I don't need the numbers to tell me that I saw it. The numbers not going to tell me a different story. <laughs> yeah. And I guess they're only really that interesting when they tell a different story than what you saw, but yeah, we this could all been see our weekly numbers. Suck I don't know. But second. the thing is that I, I know that there, there, there are people that love the numbers. And so maybe I'm being a little harsh on, 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 you know, the, the, the number crunchers of, of soccer, but to live and die by those numbers and to make decisions long-term based off those numbers means nothing because I, there's the, there's the intangible stuff that happens in and outside of games that, that, that make up for what will happen in the future. And that completely changes the dynamic of the team that completes it changes the dynamic of the play. Um, You know, it it just, I don't understand. It just, I don't know. I saw it. I saw the game. (laughs) I know that I think you're, I know you're being entirely have... fair with your XG. I mean, you've you admitted it. There's but again, it, but... again, if someone wants to sit down and explain to me, like, like I'm a four year old and, and why it matters long term over the court outside of just an individual performance or an individual match or a series of matches or, or can tell me how it helps. Um, it helps, uh, it helps you figure out if a player is going to be good or not. I, I'm happy to have my mind changed. I'm not, you know, I'm not closed off to potentially, you know, taking back all of this but the challenge is out there atlanta United it's, it's out there if you want if you want to take um, it it's out there but and i wanted to explain you got to you your like work I'm cut out for you because i can i can i i can see I, I can i sound like one of those old school baseball guys that that uh just did not want anything to do with um Whoa, what is it good for? What, what's the what's we the need what is to it get on base? Yeah, you're the old dude. War wins above replacement. No, no, no. What's the actual terminology of the numbers called in baseball? Oh, sabermetrics. Sabermetrics. I <laughs> that I understand more because baseball is all about the numbers. That's basically yeah, all baseball is, is just numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can totally understand that, but soccer is much more dynamic, much more uh much more affected by by the smallest of things. Um, yeah, it's less, it's less one one. Yeah, it's a one less to one pitcher versus batter. I don't, I don't think the same thing applies, but again, 
I'm happy to have my mind changed, but as of now, I stand firmly against never hearing about XG again. But I know that won't happen. All right, I'll be sure to bring it up next week. <laughs> speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of mind changes, that's what we call a transition, folks. Uh, should Atlanta United change their mind in one key area? We talked about this earlier with Gonzalo Pineda and you know maybe needing to change things a little bit tactically, not being married to a, something you've done in the past or whatever. One thing I think with Atlanta United that we have to start to think about here, and one player really brought this into my head, but it could really be for like any players. And I think it's obviously always going to be on a case by case basis, but Atlanta United has had a long standing tradition of saving DP slots for young South American playmakers. You know, you go back to, you know, Miguel Almiron, you go to Pig Martinez, you go to, um, you go to Ezekiel Barco, you go to Marcelino Moreno, so on and so forth. You know, they have a very typecast DP that they go after. And looking at just like some of those guys, what's Atlanta United's hit rate? You say about 50%? It, it, it depends on how you define hit rate, but I, I don't think you're far off. Okay, but, I'm not but, talking about money. I'm not, so Pity Martinez, I think I, I get what you're getting at. Yeah, they yeah. made money on him, so it was a success in that regard. I am only talking about on-field performance. I, I, I want to say right now it's probably abroad. Yeah, I would say. Well, it might be less because it might just be Miguel Almiron was the hit, and then who is the others? I mean, Araujo. Jury's still out. Looks very good. But it looks good, um, yeah. And then yeah. Marcelino, Marcelino same, Moreno looks good. It I, I does think it, it look good. good. I mean, I, I think it's, I, I'd say maybe. I think it looks good for Marcelino Moreno. I think that it, it's a win so far. I think Araujo is a win so far. I think. Uh, um, I think Pity and Bark on field were, were failures. I think you have to put them both in that category. I think you so know, too. Obviously. I think I, I I think Barco was a failure just all the way around. I don't think. Elena, you I don't ever get the that. money you wanted for me. Either, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, pity was I pity pity got saved from <laughs> pity was okay. Anyways. Yeah. The only reason we got that success was because we, yeah, uh, we've you know, got to the Middle road. Eastern but, oil money came in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, Joseph has obviously been a hit. Um, at but I don't, can, I don't count him in the same, in the same vein here because he wasn't young, so to speak, when he came, he had already been in Europe and we got him. I think Europe, there was some, I think so that's a was, little I different, mean, but we'll think about it this way though. I think there was some expectation that, uh, that look, if we hadn't heard directly from him that he was going to stay in Atlanta or that he wanted to retire in Atlanta there, I think there was very reasonable expectation that, um, could have sold him yeah, we could have sold him for someone in Europe or or whatever for for, for, for big money, especially after that massive uh, 2018 year. Um, I thought that was it 2018. Yeah, yeah, it was 2018. Yeah. That was the year that we won cup. He set the record. Yeah, there you go. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I I'm trying to think who else are they. My, my, so I I don't disagree with the. I think that Lane United has had an okay track record. From everything, everything considered, not specifically the money, but from the play on the field to the money they've gotten for the players that they've tried to model their whole thing after, I think they've been okay. I think it's been more leaning towards like failure than 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 not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think generally, it's been fine. It's not like pity pity from from the business sense wasn't a failure. Alamidon wasn't a failure. Uh, Barco, I, I I forget exactly what the numbers are, but I think they essentially broke even. Um, or maybe not. I actually don't know. Uh, you look at Marcelino Moreno, you look at Araujo. Araujo, I think, has a chance to maybe be the next Almiron. I think he's probably the closest. Marcelino Moreno might end up being a guy that, like, okay, well, he had a great career here. He was a DP. Um, I don't think there was, I don't think there's this expectation that he's going to flourish under Atlanta United and then get sold for massive money to Europe. Which, from but our again, perspective, the money our, here isn't, for, isn't really. Yeah, yeah. From our perspective, doesn't matter because all we care is exactly. about the play of the field. Yes. So, which is why I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with Marcelino because I think he's a he's a he's a, a fantastic midfielder that is is, I think the evidence of him being really great was, was there against Inter Miami. Mm. I think that um, I I think that he's another one of those pieces where you just got to put right people around him. I think. Again, having a full, healthy eleven 
is important for for Marino. Uh, but I, you know, I think that when it comes to specifically Joseph and what his future with Atlanta United looks like, I think if he were to say I'm retired tomorrow and that slot opens up, I am all for as a fan abandoning the concept of buy low, buy young, buy South American who then you can sell or whatever that you can sell off to, um, to a European team for big money. And all I care about as the fan is I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm not saying I wouldn't be happy if it happened to some extent again, but I would rather go after a big name that I know can give me product production right now. I would it rather... doesn't have to be the only thing that you right. do for yeah, I, I, would like, rather, I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't yeah. go so far as to say abandon. I mean, but no, no, no I wouldn't. I think you're right. I that they maybe try something a little different because you're right. I mean, every single big move we make is generally find a Brazilian Argentine who's young. Um, you know, at a, and I get why they do that because you know you have reasonably good price and possible upside. But when we're at this point, when you have maybe 10, nine or ten people on the field as starting 11 are pretty solid and you just need that one piece. Yeah. Open up your, you know, the grocery store cabinet, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever metaphor I'm searching for here. And, you know, may, exactly. Maybe look for a 30 something year old striker who's still got it, who can still finish. Um, Cause that's the piece you need. It doesn't necessarily have to be a young dynamic. I think uh, you can South fill, American. I think you can fill other parts of the field, the non DP parts of the field with players like that. Um, and I think that you might have more, there's less of an expect, I mean, you might not make more, like you might not have a, a Almiron type of number ever again. That might be like the best or, or a pity type of number. That might be the best it gets. Um, maybe not, who knows? But um, I think that you can make up for, you can make up for that in other parts of the field, like getting a young goalkeeper, they then turn into a, a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, and then are able to sell off. You take good defenders um, like a Miles Robinson and then end up selling him for a high price in Europe whenever that eventually happens. You saw it, uh, it to an extent with George Bellow. You can you can supplement the big, big time money deals with other places around. And then, you know, if Joseph were to retire tomorrow, the first thing I'd say, go get someone that can that, you know, for a fact can do it. Absolutely. And the go, player go that get brought someone- this up for me was Gareth Bale. Like, this is the player that brought on this conversation for me, just thinking, like, obviously he's a guy who's going to, you know, be out of contract or whatever with Real Madrid. And the club's philosophy right now has been, you know, we want to we hit it twofold. We don't just want to have the player be a success on the field, but we want to make money off of them later. And quite frankly, as a fan, that sucks. Because you know what the club is thinking of? The club is thinking of making money just as much as they are on the field success. And that's not good. Like if you're a fan, like that's something you're like, well, that in a, in a perfect world. Yeah, sure. We want to make money on the guy, but you go out and sign a Gareth Bale, for example, you're not going to make any money off of him. uh, Post being in Atlanta United, you'll make a lot of money. Jersey sales. If, if, If Gareth Bale, like you said, if Joseph Martinez retired tomorrow and Atlanta United went and got Gareth Bale to fill his spot, you know how many damn jerseys are going to sell? So they'll make money. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about that. But at the same time, it's like you look at a player like that, and I'm just going to use him specifically as an example. Gareth Bale has obviously been out of favor at Real Madrid for a long time. But when that guy puts on the, the Wales kit, it's a whole different player. And I think, you know, you look at an investment like that, and he's still relatively young. I could, I, I could see him coming in and look – I have a feeling he's going to be in MLS. I don't know if it's going to be with Atlanta United. But once he comes into this league, I just see him dominating for at least two years, maybe three, because he is the type of player you could literally, for if you're Atlanta United, that's a plug and play. Joseph out, boom. You pop Gareth Bale right in there. And quite frankly, you're getting a better player. And that's not me being mean to Joseph. That's just, you know, Gareth Bale, you know, Champions League final hat trick, Gareth Bale. You know, this is a guy who is one of the best players of the last 10 years in the world. So, and Hercules Gomez, I think he said, if he comes in here, he'd be the best MLS player yeah. ever. Yeah, I don't know if I go that far. We'd have to wait and see. But but just the yeah, fact that you're having that conversation about him means he's up yeah. there. At the very sure. least, he's up there. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Sam. I, I think that if, if 
I'm not saying completely abandon it altogether, but I think no. that the mindset should shift where if a big name comes up, you you know, before Atlanta has always been, okay, well, Atlanta is not part of that conversation because that's just not yeah. the model. Yeah. I think more than anything, I just don't trust Carlos or Darren Eels anymore with this model. I, I don't, I don't well, know. Well, again, they're, they're using it to make money just as I, I much because they already get good on the field. That, that You I can't run your team like that. Um, I don't know that that this front office has been particularly good at been particularly successful at that model. Now, if they want to show us the number, show us the numbers, and show us how it's all worked out in their favor, and now, but fine, I'm I'm happy to be. But again, you're corrected. talking about off field. I also stuff. yeah, we but I also care don't care that. as fans. I don't yeah. know why anyone cares about any of the numbers as long as they're not being irresponsible about the whole thing. One more little tidbit on. Possibly Gareth Bale to Atlanta United. He played at Tottenham, right? Yeah. Who was yep. who was at Tottenham Twice. when he was playing there? <laughs> oh, that's just, right. Just, they have a relationship. Just, just just keep in mind that just because just they saying. play together doesn't mean they have like the best of relationships. No, they didn't play together. I'm I, saying I just, that you just know, because they were Darren at the same was on place. Spurs. Or, yeah. Just because they yeah. were at the same place doesn't mean they have the best of relationships. But that I'm saying there is a relationship there. As opposed to like, just it doesn't necessarily player. mean it's good. That's all I'm saying. Oh no, you're right. <laughs> I have you're no right. idea if it is or not. I could be. It could be. It could be a perfectly amazing relationship. Who has a bad relationship with Darren Eels? Come on, man. Speaking of he Real Madrid, um, I hate to break news here, but I'm going to see them this weekend. Ooh, I'll be the fancy. Santiago Bernabeu, and I'll talk more about that on the pod. I'm going to see the second team Scrubs play this weekend because of uh, they'll second be uh, resting for Champions League. But still. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right. I don't think Benzema will be uh, featuring this weekend. No. <laughs> Maybe Bale will feature, and I'll try to uh, cheer him on. And if I see him, I'll yeah. convince him to come to Atlanta. I was going to say, try, try hang, to. Uh, it all hangs on you. It all hangs on you, Payson. Man, that's awesome. I've been to the Bernabeu before, man. That is a, an incredible stadium, although I went way before the renovation. So you're going to see almost an entirely new stadium there. So, so it's an impressive, impressive place. All right. Any final thoughts before we take off? I am Stop trying like to make money over important field matters. Atlanta United, just go sign someone that you're not going to make any money off of after. Well, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that we can afford that right now. But <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I just I don't know that there's a, I don't know there's any space DP wise or. Well, I'm just even... saying, like you know, you, you finagle the numbers. You know, LA LA Galaxy almost went into the season with four DPs a few years ago, and then boom, something magic happened at like the last second so i uh i say this every week but i honestly feel optimistic <laughs> going into <laughs> this match against montreal i do i mean i just think araujo is healthy maybe playing more uh the way we played most of the match last week i i'm thinking we're we're gonna start getting some uh some uh, results here look there's inter miami um new england and then Montreal for most goals given up. So let's do it. Let's, I guess let's show how we can the, finish this week. I guess so. Cincinnati. The point is they're in the negative. So let's let's actually so is Atlanta United. But <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 try to turn it around. Come on, I like if I could see if if I, if there's something I want to see, I, I want to see a continuation of what we saw against Miami in terms of the build up play. Just finish. Please yeah. just finish. I do have um, one real thing to say at, at the end of here. If Atlanta United goes back to looking bad in Gonzalo Pineda's setup and system against Montreal, then it do, it will look like it was a one-off in the Miami game. So if that's the case, if they look bad in that system against Montreal, I think you got to ditch it, and I think you got to start playing more transition. I really do. Like I, I think you got to absorb and counter because bad teams – that's how you get goals. Like, you know, that, that's just the way it works. So if, if uh, yeah, if things don't look good against Montreal and it shows that, yeah, they just had a, you know, kind of one-off good performance against Miami, then maybe you change it. If you continue to look good, I'll shut up. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> no, don't shut, don't shut up, Sam. Never shut up. Uh, that game on Saturday, I forget what time, but that game Saturday at – Four o'clock. Up the time. Four o'clock. Is that in Montreal? It is in Montreal. It, it is in Montreal. Uh, Saputo. Cool. Well, we'll check it out. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, we're talking. I'm feeling about optimistic. It. Everybody out there, be optimistic with me. Payson's calling like, for the dub. 
I'm like 50-50. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Eric. All right, that is it for us. Until next time. See you later, guys. <laughs>